0: This is the Orthodontic Products Podcast on the MedCorp Podcast Network. I'm Allison Warner, Chief Editor of Orthodontic Products. In today's podcast, sponsored by Ormco, I'm joined by Dr. Michael Bicknell, an orthodontist in private practice in Illinois. We're going to be talking about Ormco's Damon Ultimus, its features, and how it has impacted his case finishes and his practice's productivity. Dr. Bicknell, thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm well, really excited. Um, great.
0: Well, tell me about your practice. You have two offices, one in Elmhurst, another in Forest Park, which is, I guess, east of Chicago. Um, uh, how long yeah. have you been in private practice and what stands out to you about these two offices?
1: Um, so, yeah, um, you know, I have uh, two private practices originally out of residency. I began my first practice from the ground up and, and, and quite honestly in an environment that that wasn't really the norm. So that was the one that I built in Elmhurst. And you know, I, I learned a lot as we that practice grew. You know, through the early 2000s and into uh, you know past 2012, 13, 14. Uh, I, I had an opportunity in like 2016 to purchase another office in Forest Park uh, that was already established, and and that was quite uh, quite another learning uh, moment because you know when you when you tar- start something from the ground up, you can make all the decisions, but when you acquire something, uh, you have to keep a lot of what's been done and slowly merge the, the two together. So what's really fun about these two is that even though they're only nine miles apart and they're both essentially suburbs of Chicago, uh, they're two totally different patient populations. And uh, what it means is Elmhurst is just this, every, every major urban city has a few of these towns that are these little bubbles that have pretty good affluency. Uh, it's really, really steady. Uh, there's not one main industry that fuels this town. It's a town of 50,000 people. And it's pretty funny because in a town of 50,000 people, I think there's about 15 orthodontists that live in my town, yet I'm the only one that truly practices in town. Uh, It's just a great place to live. Um, I think in 2002, it was rated the second best town in the United States. So it's just one of those. Forest Park, on the other hand, is a, a town directly adjacent to Oak Park, Illinois, uh, which, you know, it's like Hemingway, Flint, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. It's, it's just inside the uh, Cook County, but right outside the city of Chicago. It's very urban. So what's cool is that one is really suburban and the other one is quite urban. So our patient demographic is a lot different. And what we find about these two practices is you can see one commonality and the commonality is whether it's a suburban practice or an urban practice is that our patients just want the best. Um, they want to be treated in an, in an amazing way they want uh, results that that you can commit to and they they don't want to waste a lot of time and mm-hmm. and whether it's uh, you know uh, kind of a, a classic suburban location or a little bit more more of an urban location the value set and what we try to bring as our the commitment to our patients is the same for both practices so it's it's just really fun uh, mm-hmm. to have two different locations that have a very different demographic
0: with those demographics is do you see a difference in what they want in terms of a liner versus bracket treatment
1: you know i think i we used to um, you mm-hmm. know i think in 17 18 19 we had you know there was just i think in a lot of practices there was uh, this Kind of newfound push for aligners, um, and I think that that's backed off just a little bit. Maybe it was because of COVID. Maybe it was because it's just it's not the new shiny toy anymore. But yeah, I do think that funny enough, demographics dictate products at some level. The aligner companies were heavily marketing uh, teens, and there was a big push in our suburban location for teens to get what they want. Not that mm-hmm. not that parents in these these nice affluent communities give their kids everything, but you know they have a little bit more. I think kids have a little bit more say in what happens in their mm-hmm. lives, and I think as parents in these communities, we try to encourage that. We're sometimes in the urban communities that we find is that the kids are just quiet, and the parents tell them exactly what they're doing. <laughs> and I think that you know, in our for- Forest Park location, there is a much heavier trend uh, for mm-hmm. people, both adults and kids, to want and request braces in our El- Elmhurst location, they're a little bit, you know, they they want to hear what the doctor has to say. They want to hear what their child has to contribute. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually a much more open conversation. Um, and we, we're we not in the position to tell them what they're going to get. We try mm-hmm. to steer them to the right product for them.
0: Okay. Do you notice with those patients who do want brackets, do you think they understand how brackets have changed since maybe they're, especially for the parents, since their youth, do you think they realize how they've evolved? Um,
1: I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, brackets are brackets to pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're not they're not researching, and they're they're also not they're not coming to us because we're using something that, from a mechanical standpoint, has advantages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're coming to us because of our experience, our reviews, our commitment to technology, and our commitment to treating people in an amazing way. Um, so I think that that's something that is lagging not only in our professional community, but also it lags a, a lot more in in the patient community. I, I don't. you know, it's actually interesting sometimes when you talk about technology, patients don't sometimes want it. they they, they want they're like, I, wait, you mean I'm not getting colors on my brackets that no. my friends have? and and we're <laughs> like, ah. Uh. So, you know, we and we're like, you, you can have colors, but the, the colored rubber bands have a purpose for some braces, mm-hmm. and they don't have a purpose for other braces. And mm-hmm. we choose this technology for A, B, and C, and the colors are just kind of there to dress it up. So if you have yeah. great hygiene, then you can have colors. So, no, it's... It's pretty funny in, in, in and in a funny story. I remember I got, uh, you know, we, we look at Google reviews, their report, and I think we have mm-hmm. three, 400, I mean probably six or 700 between the two practices. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I got a, a poor Google review once and it was from a teenager who said that I use junkie braces. Right. And, and I read it and they're like, he, he doesn't use colors. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> like, like, like I'm like, this is totally backfiring. So, you know, it's, at some level, it's funny and I'm sure yeah. that, you know, Ormco loves me saying this, but <laughs> patients, patients don't, they don't care. They mm-hmm. don't know like Ormco might be able to promote, you know, the daemon system and some patients are tech savvy. And when they are, they start understanding their options. However, that's not the majority. I would say that's 5% of our patients.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then it comes down to what you need. So yeah. before we launch into further about kind of the, we're going to sp- focus on the daemon Ultima system from Ormco, but I'm curious, what intrigues you about orthodontic treatment today?
1: So you know what's funny? I've been practicing now for 20 years, and I can tell you, and maybe this is just my own opinion, but I am so much more excited about orthodontics now than I was probably at five years into my career. And, and the reason I say that is when I got out of school, I mean, you know, the, the technology was there. You know, aligners were just entering the market. Bracket technology was pretty consistent with, well, it's either self-ligation or it's twin. You know, A lot of the my mentors and the people who ran the narrative, in other words, the, the, the people who were on the ABO, the people who were the department heads in all the major universities, the people who were writing textbooks, it was a very traditional time, right? I mean, and that was great. So there wasn't a lot of advancement that would occur year to year. Now let's fast forward to now. I think that the environment of enhanced technology, and not only the enhanced technology, It's the manufacturing capabilities that are allowing these products to come to market, right? It's helping us to improve patient care at, I think, elevated rates that have never been seen before. And what I mean by that is we can all dive into our craft. We can all learn how to do amazing ortho with whatever tools are given to us. Mm -hmm. I do believe that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we may have to work harder to do that. It may cause a little bit more discomfort. It may take longer. It may take more appointments. However, I all think if, if we all have a commitment to amazing outcomes, we can get there. But what I'm seeing is that the pathway or the journey to getting to that amazing outcome has become a straighter line and a shorter line. And that's with, I think, the advancements in everything around digital, everything around manufacturing. Because look, if we can invent something, but we can't make it, what's the point? Right. right? And and I think that what's happening now, and whether it's it's, it's it's nanotechnology with 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 cell phones whether it's computer the computer driven kind of AI uh, new thought process on on what computing power we need to do things mm-hmm. it's 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 watering down and trickling down to us and the fact that somebody can invent something in their mind and build it and have it come to market is what is really helping us so that's that's what makes me excited is that in the last five years I've seen things that I never would have imagined so I can't even imagine what's going to happen in the next five or ten.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that three D printing would be in the practice twenty years ago?
1: Oh yeah. 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 I mean, and that's and that's 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 standard, right, in our practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 not even a thought process to have to send Mm -hmm. anything out that we could make in house. And you know, you're you're not that far away from having potentially that same access to to metal 3D printing, right? Yeah. It's super expensive, but mm-hmm. you know, 15 years yeah. ago, you know, epoxy 3D uh, stereolithography was the only people that had it were major industries, right? So right. there's it's just it's just awesome. Like I mean, yeah. it, it's cool.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. Okay, so let's talk about brackets specifically. Um, so I'm curious, what stands out to you as you think about how bracket treatment has evolved in the last decade?
1: All right. So, you know, you know I, I get an opportunity to do a lot of presentations and share not share kind of ideas. And, and one of the things that I've learned, you know, and, and it's always funny. I always try to tell people that as I, as I start to speak about something, it's not that I just remembered it from residency. Typically, when I want to bring out some sort of a concept, I try to research it, figure out where it came from. And part of this ultimate journey for me was to understand, you know, how revolutionary is it? And in order to do that, I had to start with what was it trying to solve? In other words, what problem, right? So funny enough, I actually think that from a bracket evolution standpoint, we have been trying to solve the same hundred year problem. And it's a problem in geometry. It's not a problem in, in thinking. It's not a problem in, in manufacturing. The problem was geometry. And if we go all the way back to when Engel created the first Edgewise appliance, his edgewise appliance was an 022 by 028 slot that was, had it, it didn't have any pre-adjustment in it, but what it had was a way to apply forces to a tooth. So you go through 50 years of this evolution and not a lot happened in that time. So then, you know, you get to, let's say, um, the 70s, okay, and you get to Larry Andrews. Larry Andrews looks at all these models and says, okay, there's a bunch of key points that untreated teeth have. If we quantify these, and it turned out to be a pretty key article in your residency called Andrew's Six Keys to Occlusion. And what he did is he said, look, we can maybe use technology to build in some help so that we don't have to work so hard. Okay. And that's really what the gist of it was. So the first pre-adjusted appliances came out back then. Now, the problem is the geometry was the same. It was still an 022 by 028 slot. And what Larry Andrews saw was that in order for his theory to work, you had to put a wire that was the exact same size into the slot. And practically, that doesn't work. So what that means is if you take a big wire and shove it into a slot that's the same size, you just can't get it to work. It just doesn't. It's too much force. It doesn't go in. So what Larry Andrews did was he decreased the dimension of the wire. And by decreasing the dimension of the wire, you lose control of the tooth. So then Larry Andrews built different prescriptions to end up in a way that depending on what he was trying to solve and what forces he was gonna apply, he would get the same end result. And hence why prescriptions became a big deal in orthodontics over the last 30 years. So, where we are now, and this is what I think everyone's still trying to solve, and it doesn't matter what company is trying to solve it. We've seen digital companies that have robots that bend wires, we've seen newer companies that have 3D printed bracket bases to try to solve the problem. The problem's the same it's geometry. Now, from what I see, that's been figured out, and I'm still trying to find ways to poke holes in what Dr. Damon did and how Ormco is coming to market with this, but the bracket technology is based off of the geometric way that the wire fits into the slot of the bracket. And, you know, there's three dimensions and forces, and and, and we'll get into that, I think, in a little bit. But I I see that they've kind of, this is the first time that a pre-manufactured bracket has been able to apply forces in three dimensions that are predictable and exact. So I think this is going to be a pivotal time in our, if we look back at this twenty thirty 30 years from now, I think that this is going to be a pivotal time in how uh, the evolution of braces is, is changed.
0: Okay. So as I mentioned, we're going to focus on the Damon Ultima system. How long have you been using it?
1: Uh, so I first saw it in 2017. I was, you know, I was, I was in a meeting and Dr. Damon was, you know, finally excited that he solved his problem that he said plagued him for 40 years of practice, and that was being able to control teeth the way that he wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, So in about 2019, I was invited up to Dr. Amen's office with a group of maybe 10 or 15 other really amazing clinicians, most of them my mentors, really. In in 2019, that, that goal was to collectively work together to try to validate if this bracket system was going to do what they expected it to do so the short answer to that question is i started using it in 2019 but i didn't fully transition to a full ultima practice until february of 2021 um, and that's probably when i would probably answer that question so it, i've been a mm-hmm. full ultimate practice for you know over two years
0: okay um and so for those orthodontists who aren't familiar with this system what should they know?
1: So I think that the first thing you should know is that this just isn't an upgrade to a traditional or a previous version of Daemon PSL. So the previous version was the DQ2 bracket. And mm-hmm. and I think at least at, at 50% of my answer is going to be that this just isn't a, an upgrade. I mean, when you think about what Ormco did is they, they went back to the drawing board and they tried to get their engineers and people in the same room to develop a system of bracket wires that are engineered to work together from the ground up to deliver a certain expectation and that expectation and i remember hearing this was that they wanted to create a pure system that would put the teeth where they wanted to go in about a year, but also have a passive system, right? So uh, to do that, they they couldn't use what they had, so they had to start it from the ground up. Now, for anyone that's not even familiar with PSL, I think what people need to know is that it's basically a system of a wire and a bracket that are absolutely made to work in conjunction with each other. And if we think about that, most of the time we buy a bracket and then we get a wire and we just kind of pair what we want. And there's some protocols that people have, but this was actually designed from the ground up to make sure that the wires and the bracket talk to each other and that they can express exactly what it is that we want as an orthodontist uh, so mm-hmm. that we can get to the end result of a beautiful uh, finish and a wonderful functional inclusion easier. Um, and the Ultima system was uh, designed to do that. And it, even from an engineering standpoint, it has.
0: So, what are the key features that make Ultima right for you as a clinician?
1: So that, that's a that's a great question, right? So, as orthodontists, we're only allowed to use what products somebody else makes for us, right? I mean, we can't go into our basement and make braces, right? I mean, maybe seventy, like fifty years ago, people did, but you know, right now, we're at the mercy of our manufacturers. So, I always want to deploy technology that has merit in, in being proven, that it's precise, it's reliable. I can actually, uh, I can have access to it without you know interruption in supply. And I also have to make sure that it fits my value set. My value set truly is to try as hard as I can to give every single person an ultimate experience, right? And that experience just isn't fast treatment time. It might be reduced visits. It might be less pain. It might be a simpler approach where, you know, our teams can deploy the treatment. So for me, the ultimate system that's that simply because it's made treatment simpler. It really has. It's used technology, it's used manufacturing, it's used engineering, and it's used just a wonderful group of people to hone this in to make our journey of beginning treatment to the end of treatment just cleaner, simpler, shorter, and just just much nicer. So that fits. That's why I use it uh, mm-hmm. because it fits my value set of what I'm trying to do for my patients.
0: And so, a part of that um, not having as many uh, office visits is because that wire and that bracket are made for each other. So you're doing fewer bends. Correct. As you go along.
1: Yeah. Right. So, you know, I got in this discussion when I was, I was overseas and it was cool. I was, I was in uh, Southeast Asia and Mm -hmm. there was a bunch of orthodontists from India that were, we were at a beach of all places and they, they kind of cornered me and they were just poking me about the ultimate system. And, and they're kept asking, how does the system move teeth faster? How does this system move teeth faster? And I'm like, it doesn't move teeth faster. I go, that's biology. I go, what it does is it eliminates the times where you're not moving teeth. And it does that by allowing us to apply forces in all three dimensions in a certain order. So, you know, we we can do you know the X and the Y, or in other words, first and second order, and then we can build into the third, which is torque. But by having a system that actually delivers the force in all three planes, and then once it once it delivers that force, it, it turns back passive. What that looks like on a velocity curve is that We have less start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. It's much more like the tortoise and the hare analogy. Um, If you just apply nice, even forces to teeth, and you do that in a in a way that is thoughtful per patient, you can eliminate even the times where these systems aren't working. And if you can eliminate those, then you eliminate the number of visits and you shorten the treatment time drastically.
0: Okay. Okay. So, what impact has Ultima had on your cases? Have you seen a change in how the cases are finishing?
1: Uh, yes. Um, now, one thing to remember, and this is what I kind of alluded to before, is that you know we all work to get amazing case finishes, yeah. um, and we all work to get amazing case finishes at the highest rate of reproducibility. In other mm-hmm. words, you know, let's say you know we're looking at a hundred cases. How many of those hundred cases? finish to a level that we love, right? And and mm-hmm. there's very few orthodontists that have 100%, right? So mm-hmm. is it 50, 60, 70, or 80, or 90? Now, the systems that we've always deployed in our practice were to try to figure out ways to get that number as high as possible. It requires a lot of work, more more appointments, more physical effort of bending. And the reason for that was because there's play between the wire and the bracket in all systems, right? Mm-hmm. Even active systems have some sense of that because the the thought is, is that the, the active system or a clip is pushing a wire into the base of the bracket, and and if that assumption is not valid, then that doesn't always happen. So you've got all of these systems and, and things that are trying to solve that problem. What I'm learning now is that because I'm actually able to apply force in three dimensions, and I can get the tooth where I want it, my case finishes are looking so much better mm-hmm. with very little bending. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe me, I bent a lot of wire previously. I mean a lot. And I've act- I've actually measured it. Right? I measured, you know, 100 cases and I looked at how many bends I had per wire yeah. versus how many bends I have per wire in Ultima. Okay. And I mean, we have uh, a lot less. Um, mm-hmm. about nine, 98% less bending in our practice and mm-hmm. and that and our and our case finishes are just I mean, I've never been more proud of what we're putting out as a product. Yeah. Meaning straight teeth and beautiful smiles.
0: Mhm. So, when it comes to how the system has impacted practice productivity, what would you say to yeah. that?
1: So productivity is is interesting. So I've always been process and systems driven. If anyone's ever heard me lecture, I, I try to. If I see a problem occurring, I don't just solve the problem. I try to trace it back to figure out why did the problem actually exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we've always been super methodical about processes in our practice and systems to try to engineer out, if you will, outcomes that could be avoided just by catching things earlier. So from a productivity standpoint, Altima has been amazing for us because. By eliminating a lot of the, let's say, play in the wire bracket assembly, there's less room, if you will, for things to go sideways and there's less bending, Mm -hmm. there's less visits. And what I find with productivity is that when you can shorten the number of visits and you can shorten the overall treatment times, productivity goes up. Now, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that we start more cases because we're using a bracket but what it does do is it allows us to treat each individual case in a more compressed timeline and what that does is that opens up availability to either have more capacity or to give more attention to your cases hence having more attention and less volume, you actually can then, it's like a dog chasing its tail. Yeah. You know, you end up becoming a little bit less stressed throughout the day. You can give more time to your patients. You give more time to your patients. They like you more. They send more patients. So our productivity has been drastically changed by incorporating Ultima and in. mm-hmm. You know, if we have a a little bit of time, I can kind of tell you exactly what that means. But from a number standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, we we just did this metric. It's pretty crazy. You know, I I look at the total number of starts and then I look at the total number of active patients. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a really simple way of looking at how long is your treatment time truly taking. So, you know, if you have you know, and I have a seasoned practice, so it's not like I'm growing at 30% per year, right? So, you know, if I'm growing, let's say five or 10% per year, I know roughly the starts that I have are pretty consistent, which means if I look at the total number of active patients, then I can do some math and figure out what my average treatment time is. Well, over the last, we started, we started Damon Ultima two years ago, and we are now two years into this journey. My number of active patients has dropped almost 35%, while my total number of starts has increased by 10% each year. Mm. The only way that happens is when you shrink treatment time. Then we looked at the total number of appointments and we're seeing that the total number of adjustment appointments needed has shrunk by 30% over the last year, which if you're a numbers driven person, the only way that happens is if you're treating patients uh, shorter and with less appointments. And on Mm. top of that, I've never, like I said, I've never been happier with the, the results that are coming out of my practice from, from a quality standpoint. So yeah. I feel that we're getting our qualities up and our efficiencies are up. And from a productivity standpoint, it's leading so much capacity and our days are great. They're not stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, we're definitely not the practice that is, is sweating at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> and yet it's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much fun.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like I was going to ask what kind of efficiencies have your staff experienced with this system? So it sounds like it's making their day a bit easier, too. All
1: right. Well, you just answered my question. Yeah. No, or answered, <laughs> you, you answer it for me. No, I remember when we started, right? Merging two systems is always interesting. When you're mm-hmm. trying to buy your team into what it is that you want to do as a doctor, that you need buy in. I mean, we have 27 employees, right? So two locations, 27 employees. We have about 14 clinical specialists. I always refer to my team as not assistants, but clinical specialists, because, you know, I try to tell them in a room, they are the expert. They really are. If I have, it doesn't matter if my patient's dad is a CEO of uh, a bank in, in that small bubble, if I'm not there, my clinical specialist is the expert. They know more about ortho than anyone else in the room. So, you know, we empower our team to to understand treatments. We empower our team to make decisions. We have clinical meetings every morning where we discuss cases. We talk about mechanics. We talk about even first, second, three, third order, like tooth movements. So I really want my team to, to understand what it is that they're doing. When we first brought on Altima, they were like, okay, fine, something new. Um, you know, There were a couple different wires and it was a little confusing just because we had a few different protocols, but, you know, we only have about 35 cases left of DQ2 and we've got, you know, the rest of them in Ultima. And I can tell you that my team would, I've had many of them that have been with me for probably 10 years say that if they didn't have Ultima, they probably would have not had stayed in, in orthodontics because mm-hmm. I think what happens is, is, is orthodontists and we don't realize this and in an, in an age of of employment being a really difficult problem yeah. for small businesses to accommodate. If you really look at this idea of why are people leaving their jobs? They're leaving their jobs because they don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel like they're good at it. And mm-hmm. I always joked as an orthodontist is that we put our teams in positions to fail. From an orthodontic standpoint, if if I'm busy and I'm running an afternoon where I have a lot to do and I'm a little bit behind, and let's say I bend a wire And maybe I bend that wire a little bit too much because the parent's staring at me and they know that, you know, I'm a little bit over treatment time. So I'm trying to maybe push the envelope and then I'm busy. So I put the wire on the table and I put that wire. I I have one of my clinical team members put that wire in. Well, when they put that wire in and they close the door, they tie it in, it creates pressure and pain for the child. So the child leaves, then the child goes in the car and and sometimes can cry to their parent. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. parent becomes protective and says, you know what? Um, so-and-so just worked on my daughter. Let's use the word, uh, let's let's say April. I don't have any Aprils mm-hmm. that work for me. <laughs> April just worked on my daughter. My daughter's crying. I never want April to touch my daughter again. Yeah. And every orthodontist has had this call. Yeah. So then we flag the chart and we put April's not allowed to work on this patient. April finds out about it. And then April feels that she's not good at her job. Mm-hmm. So then eventually April tells herself she's not good. And then she's like, doesn't have passion and she quits and goes mm-hmm. and, you know, goes to work for a florist or something, right? Yeah. Well, what I found with Ultima is that I'm not putting my team in positions anymore where they don't feel like they're an expert. I mean, Ultima makes it so that we have four beautiful wire changes. They're all equally um, significant from a standpoint of force. We're not bending wire. And when you don't mm-hmm. bend wire and it's a simple, easy protocol, yeah. your team knows exactly what to do. They're not waiting for me to tell them what to do. They already know. They're like, okay, it's going from this wire to this wire, this wire to this wire. Oh, now we're going to take photos. Dr. Bicknell is going to look to see if there anything needs to be moved around. Okay, and and it's becoming so much easier for our junior team members to become experts. The last thing I'll kind of highlight in this is we had um, a, a recent hire, and she's phenomenal. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. phenomenal. She's young. She's like 20, maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's 22, 24 years. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how old she is, but I should, but I don't. Um, <laughs> anyway, what's amazing is she is like up to speed right and i used to always tell people how long does it take for you to become a very clinically astute orthodontic assistant or specialist and most people would say it took two to four years this girl has been working with me for nine months. And I asked her, I go, what'd you do before? And she's like, she, I think she worked at a, um, a jump zone. It was oh, like yeah. a, a trampoline place mm-hmm. for kids. She had no dental experience. And within the course of nine months, she is one of the strongest clinical specialists that I've ever seen. And I asked her, why does she think that that was the case? And she's like, well, this stuff is really straightforward and simple. She goes and it allows me to get really good at it. And now mm-hmm. I feel like I have a career. Mm-hmm. And that to me is why we have assembled a team and we're not facing the turnover problem that I think a lot of other people are.
0: That's really fascinating how the product yeah. plays into the job satisfaction. I think that's the best example I've heard of that. So thank you. Oh, and,
1: and, and, yeah. Yeah, and not only that, totally unexpected too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, from a selfish standpoint, like I was like, oh, I'm going to be about a better orthodontist and I'm going to be mm-hmm. able to, you know, to finish cases faster. And it wasn't until utilizing this full on for two years that I realized what it's actually done for yeah. our deployment of our technology. It's, mm-hmm. been, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. So what stands out to you when you think about Ormco as a partner?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I, actually, I actually had this conversation with uh, the education department back in 2015. And, and mm-hmm. I said that from a standpoint of somebody who utilizes products as a way of, of delivering care to my patients... Um, I need a trusted partner that is going to listen to what it is that I'm trying to do. And not that they're going to steer their ship in my direction. I mean, I'm not that you know, you know centric, but I, I, want, I want a partner that's going to listen to our profession. I want, I want a partner that I think is a good steward of our profession. Now, we all know that we live in a capitalistic society, which means that there's reward for innovation, right? So if, if, a, if, if a company comes up with something that is innovative – then they definitely have a right to charge and profit from that because it helps drive innovation right it's okay mm-hmm. we all do the same thing as small business owners if we didn't have a reward for our hard work then you know there wouldn't be this this drive sometimes to continue to improve and continue to become efficient because you know that is a reward whether it's a reward in quality whether it's a reward in less effort, whether it's a reward in financial, whether it's a reward in fulfilling our value set, that has to happen. So when I think of a partner, I think of a company that is on the leading cusp of innovation. Mm -hmm. I think of somebody who is going to help protect and drive our profession forward. And I think of a company that is continuing to invest dollars in multiple areas of the orthodontic profession. And right now, the only company that I see doing that on all levels, whether it's aligners, whether it's braces, whether it's wires, whether it's scanners, whether it's imaging, whether it's vision, whether it's other areas of dentistry is Ormco Code and Vista, right? So mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I like about it. And, and I, I know that as of now they're a prime a partner for me
0: great okay so when you're assessing a new bracket system what are the key considerations you keep in mind
1: probably execution right when i'm looking at a, a new bracket system and believe me and i say this and i said this before if something comes out better than what i'm using right now then i'll probably mm-hmm. use that right mm-hmm. and i said that and i and I've, I've lived by that i mean i've tried other bracket technologies and when i evaluate something unless it performs the same or better i mean there's not really a reason to utilize it for any reason for me mm-hmm. this this was a big issue back in 2015 16 when i was i just was not super happy with what was happening in my in my clinic and i just felt that the bracket that i was using it just wasn't delivering the results that I wanted it to. I was working really hard. So I explored other options. And and that's when I kind of saw what the Ultima system in theory was going to do. And I waited around a couple of years for it to come out. And I'm glad I did. When I think about what it is I want it to do, and I say this, I always joke about this. I say that things should work the way that we plan them to. So if, if I have a bracket system and in my mind, it should work a certain way, then if it doesn't, then I either need to learn more or change my perspective and if my perspective or thinking is clear then it's just not the right product Um, and that's one of the things that's been my motivation to get out there and have fun talking about this new change in um, what I think is our profession from a fixed bracket standpoint Mm -hmm. is that for the first time in my 20 years I feel that I have something that works the way that it should. There really are very few, if any, parts of this that I have to accept as a bad thing that goes along with a bunch of good things. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think in PSL before you did, right? You know, the reason that that a lot of people didn't like PSL was that it was so passive at the end, the teeth kind of were hard to control. So everyone was like, well, I can't finish in PSL. So then there's ASL and there's all these other systems that come out, but with the Ultima system, it's, it's passive until there's a couple placed on either X, Y, and Z axis or first, second, and third order control. And once that couple, which is, is basically a force that moves a tooth, is exercised, the system becomes passive again. Really, I always joke about the Ultima system that you put the braces on, they're active until they're not. And when they're not, the teeth are in the right spot, and then you take braces off. And that's mm-hmm. really how it works. And, and it's really that simple. So for me, when I get a systems that work that way, then I, I really deploy that type of technology.
0: Okay. So final question. What excites you about the future of orthodontics?
1: Oh, like everything. Like seriously. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, honestly, if, if this was 2015 or 16, mm-hmm. it's frustrating, right? I mean, it just was like, I mean, it's fine. I, I would have, I love my job. I love my patients. I love what we get to do every day. I love the community of people. I love the, I mean, I'm blessed to be an orthodontist, literally. I mean, I always joked, except for maybe a motion picture actor that could play anybody or an astronaut that actually gets to go to the moon, there's nothing else (laughs) I'd want to do. Like I, I got, I got so lucky to, to find my way into orthodontics that it fits every part of my brain. Mm But. What I know now is I'm so I'm so blessed to have access to what's happening now in orthodontics in the middle of my career and not at the end of it. Mm. Because I think if I was at the end of my career and I saw all these cool things coming, I'd just be a little bit, eh, I wish I would have had that, right? And yeah. the fact that the next 5, 10, 15 years are so unknown, yet we know what's going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. there's going to be some amazing things that come on board and I literally can't wait to see them. And some of the things that I'm even seeing in the pipeline mm-hmm. are amazing, right? I mean, you yeah. know, think about think about when we think about disruptive technologies, we think of things that have to change the rules. And and the people that say the rules can't be changed are wrong because every single rule as we go through we look at science books, right? Science books aside from Newton and physics science books have always had a hypothesis and what they thought was true. And then sometimes it's proven to be maybe a little different than what mm-hmm. we thought. And that's the whole idea of growth. And if we, if we sit back on our heels and we say, well, nothing else is going to be invented. Nothing else is going to be improved. Then we're doomed as a society, right? So the fact that we have all this cool stuff happening, yeah, of course it makes it a little bit sketchy. You know, some people are doomsday like, Oh my gosh, patients are going to be able to scan their teeth with an iPhone and get trays. Well, so what? You know, that's cool because, you know, at the end of the day, there's 7 billion people on the, on the earth and <laughs> if we, and right now there's only 1% of that population that has access to orthodontic care. How cool is it that we can have technologies that are driven to make treatments simpler, make them shorter. We can deploy them to more people. Even if the overall cost basis goes down, more mm-hmm. people get to take advantage of the cool stuff that we get to do. So mm-hmm. what excites me is the fact that more people have access to this care and it's just a ton of fun as a provider. Yeah. Great.
0: Thank you so yeah. much for uh joining me and sharing your insight and your experience with this system and also just your practice and your uh your career. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. This is fun. I'm all pumped up and it's a Friday. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, exactly.
0: Uh, it's yeah, Friday. I'm, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So no, I obviously if you can't tell, I really I I I love all things ortho. You know yeah. I mean? It's uh it's it's a lot of fun. So it's yeah. it's given me it's giving me uh it's just a blessing. I mean, for yeah. all of us to get to for all of us that are even remotely in the realm of orthodontics, it's, it's such an amazing thing that we get to learn, study and do for not just our teams, but our families, our patients and, and our whole community. So, yeah. um, you know, this is my social network. It's my friends. It's my colleagues, peers, mentors um, and students. So it's it's a blast.
0: Great. Thank you so yeah. much. And to our listeners, be sure to subscribe to the Medcore Podcast Network to keep up with the latest orthodontic products podcast and to turn to orthodonticproductsonline.com to keep up with the latest industry news. Until next time, take care.